Well, good morning. Good morning. Uh, you know, when uh, Todd talked to me back at the end of November about filling in, it was either going to be the end of January or beginning of February. Uh, he also asked me whether he should tell me what to talk about, give me the passage of scripture, or, or uh, I'd pick my own. And, you know, trying to be nice to a new guy, I, I didn't commit one way or the other. And he said we, we would talk about it later. And Well, the next week, uh, Chris Campbell, it's when he spoke for the second time that first week of December, I think it was, as we started Advent. And it was a passage I'm pretty sure that Todd had given him, and it was that long list of names. So Todd said, hey, Chris, here, here's a list of names. Preach off that and have fun um, pronouncing all that stuff. So the next week, I went to Todd and said, you know what? I'm pretty sure the Holy Spirit's leading me in a certain direction. And... Uh, um, we, we got this covered. You, you don't need to worry about it. Um, at that time, I, I thought I was going to be preaching out of uh, John 3. And as it turns out, I had the right chapter, but the wrong book. So we're going to actually start out of Matthew 3. We're going to be, uh, if you can see the notes, uh, little tabs there, we're actually going to be all over the place. It's a little bit more topical than just a specific scripture. But uh, we'll be starting out of Matthew chapter 3, and I think this is something that uh, we've all dealt with and deal with uh, throughout our lives, from before we knew Christ, uh, even to after we knew Him. So Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 15. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you and do you come to me? And Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. John tried to deter him. <laughs> no, Jesus. No, 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 no. I can't do that. You know, Scripture tells us that earlier when, when he was proclaiming the one to come, he, he, he said that I'm unworthy uh, to even tie the sandals or to carry the sandals of the one who comes after me. John, John the Baptist said, I'm not worthy. I mean, think about this. This is why he was born. He is the one calling in the desert, preparing the way. And he was going out and doing that very thing very faithfully, and very strongly. I mean, he made a lot of people mad the way he was talking. And yet when Christ comes to him to do this, this primary thing, John says, I'm not worthy. How many times do you say that to yourself? I'm not worthy. How many times does Satan get in that ear? You're not worthy. Well, let me encourage you. Let me assure you that absolutely you are not. How's that for encouragement? You are not. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. So I think there's a couple ways we can look at this, a couple questions. First is, am I worthy of being saved? Well, of your own volition, of your own capabilities, of your own knowledge and skills? No. No, you're not. Romans 3.10, for no one is righteous. 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. 
But what's verse 24 tell you? You are justified freely by the grace of God through the redemption of Jesus Christ. And Romans 5.8 goes on to say that while you were still sinners, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Yeah. We're not worthy. But Christ was perfect. And Christ came into this world to save you even though you are a sinner. And I encourage anybody that's out there in this congregation today or watching out there today, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and the reason why is because you think that you aren't worthy, that there's too many things that you need to clean up in your life, you've got this all wrong. All wrong. Sam used to talk about being imputed. Christ imputes his righteousness to you when you come into that saving faith in Jesus Christ. It's God's free gift. Don't wait. I remember years ago when we were stationed in Hawaii, there was a couple that we did Bible studies with, our own little small group. Um, there was about four couples. And she just, she just couldn't make that transition to, to come to know Jesus. And she came faithfully to that Bible study group. We were great friends. And we sat down with her one time afterwards. And that's exactly what she said. I'm just not worthy. But God loves you anyways. Don't let that stand in your way. Please don't let that stand in your way. Understand just how much the Father loves you. That he sent his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I guess I went to John 3 anyways. Man, he loves you so much. Don't let that stand in the way. And, and for as, as hard as we can be on ourselves, uh, so often we forget one little piece that's so important, that so, to me so encouraging. Out of Ephesians 2, Ephesians 2, 1 through 10 is my favorite passage of scripture. And in verse 10, the first part of it, he says this, for we are God's workmanship. The master artist has created you. You're made in his image. Come to him, be with him. Know him. Your life will not be right. That hole will not be filled until you come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Don't wait until you get Whatever it is in your life you think is not right, and until you get it right, come to him now. Then you have the opportunity to go through that sanctification process and each and every day of your life grow closer and closer to the image of God and closer to, and closer to God in that relationship with him. You're not worthy, but Christ was, and he died for you. And his righteousness is given to you. It's imputed to you. But my guess is the vast majority of you in here, if not all of you, you do know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's why you're here. You're celebrating that. You rejoice in the fact that he did die for you, that your salvation is complete through him, and that you can look forward to spending eternity with him. But the thing that comes into our minds so often is, well, I don't think I have the capability. I'm not worthy to go out and do the work of God. 
you know what that kind of uh, thought process can lead to? The sin of omission. So often the sins we think about are those that we commit. But to not go out and do what God has called us to do, that is sin just the same. And yeah, in this case, it's not the lie of Satan. He's telling you the truth when he says you're not worthy. But the other lie he tells you is that you're not capable of it. You can't do anything good for God. That's the lie. That's the lie. Out of Matthew 3 that we're just looking at, if you go back a few verses in, uh, in, in verse 10, there's a pretty stark warning there. That those who don't go out and produce, the axe is waiting for you. Those who don't produce fruit, he's going to cut that tree down. I'd like to hear that a little different way. I encourage you to be the fruit. Uh, I welcome it. Uh, but man, that's a hard warning. God's called you to produce fruit. And oftentimes we think of Galatians 5 with the fruit of the Spirit, the, the way that it manifests in, in, in us. You know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. But it's more than that. It's also the fruit that we help produce in this world. Are we planting the seed? Are, are we nurturing it? Are we watering it? Are we helping it grow? Are we pruning it? Are there people that we are mentoring, helping? Are we changing lives out there? Are we producing that kind of fruit? But again, that, that thought comes in. I just don't have the capabilities. I don't know how to do it. I don't know where to go. You know what? Keep coming back to the scripture because if you read the if you read scripture, you're going to come into the passages that tell you that you can do this. And there's reasons why. Ezekiel 36, 27. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. When you come to God and you're faithful in him, the spirit's going to come and he's going to move you to do this work. A couple of weeks ago, Todd talked about obedience coming out of faith and faith getting stronger so that you can be more obedient. And there's so much truth of that. The more we grow in faith, the more we allow the Spirit to lead us. The Spirit's there. You know Jesus Christ. The Spirit's there with you. But so often we get in the way. I'm going to do this my way. Or not so much that we think we got the better way. We just would prefer to do it our way, right? This, this would be a little easier for me. And so we stand in the way of the leading of the Spirit, but the more we let the faith take over, then the Spirit will guide us and we'll get out of the way and say, absolutely, Spirit, you take me where you need me to be. And He'll lead you there. Get out of the way. So often that's the problem. I know that's been the problem for me. I just stand in the way. I refuse to see what the issue is. I refuse to accept what the issues are that need to be addressed. Or I refuse to be the one that steps out and help take care of them. Let the Spirit lead. Scripture promises that He will. In Acts 1.8, this is what Jesus told the disciples when He came back. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You will receive power. Is it your power to use as you see fit? No, it's God's power that when you live by the Spirit, it will fill you and guide you and give you the strength, give you the abilities to do the work that the Spirit is leading you to do. 
You don't have to try to figure out how am I going to get stronger in this way. Be faithful and trust in the Lord and he will give you that capability. That is why before he left, before Christ left, he told the disciples, I must go. Why? So that the one who comes after me, the spirit can come and live in you and guide you and direct you and give you that power so you can do these things. See, God doesn't just tell you, hey, go do this stuff because you have to. And you're on your own. Oh, he's so much better than that. I want you to go do these things because of the blessing that it'll be for you, the blessing that it'll be for others, and I'll give you the ability to do it. Just trust in me that I will do that. John 16, 13. Yeah, you know, I went back. I, I wasn't here on December 31st um, when all the elders and staff spoke. So I actually went back and, and listened to that. And Randy talked that day about truth. And in 1613 of John, Jesus says, But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. And scripture also tell, tells us that if we come to know the truth, what will the truth do for you? It'll set you free. You've got to know the truth. I think you mentioned it. Satan will lie to you all the time. It's what he does. He's the prince of lies. But if you're grounded in the truth, you know the truth, you're not going to listen to those lies. When Satan tells you you're not worthy, you're saying, yeah, so what? When Satan says you're not capable, it doesn't matter. He is. Shut up. Shut up. I know you're not, that's not the nice thing to say. We don't teach our kids that, but Satan deserves it. Shut up. Shut up. Know the truth. The truth will set you free, not just from the chains of sin, but from those lies that keep us from going out and living the life that God wants us to live. And there's so much blessing in that life. Sometimes we're so afraid. And because of it, we miss out on the blessings that God wants to bestow upon us. Because we don't listen to the truth. And we're not set free. Yeah. When they talk about the, the Spirit coming and being a part of you and, and, and God giving you the capabilities, something, I think it was Paul, maybe even David spoke a little bit about that day, what was the gift of the Spirit. And, and there was an encouragement to go. And if you haven't figured out what the, your spiritual gift is, uh, there'll be some opportunities to, to be a part of a study and, and, and learn that. I encourage you, go do that. Figure out what those spiritual gifts are because, you know, a promise that we can rest in from 1 Corinthians 12, 7. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To each one is given. Well, I'm not sure I got a spiritual gift. I certainly don't know what it would be. To each one. Are you sitting here today? Are you out there today? You know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Spirit? You've got a spiritual gift. Maybe even a couple. 
And you need to be using them. Figure out what it is. Yeah, I mentioned earlier uh, Ephesians 2.10 and the fact that you're a good work, uh, God's workmanship. Do you know what comes after that? Created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. You've been tasked. Just coming to church on a Sunday morning and listening to a sermon and singing a few songs, that ain't what this is all about. You've got a mission. You've got a job to do. Are you doing it? So, I hope... So, talking spiritual gifts. My spiritual gift is prophecy. Now, that is not telling the future. Don't come to me and ask me to tell your future. All right? I have no clue. But it's seeing things very black and white, very right and wrong, and speaking to it. I was talking to Brian Mills the other day about this. What doesn't come with uh, prophecy uh, is mercy, grace, and, and empathy. Uh, so I've had to work on those over the years. So I'm about to get into that mode, and if... if and I don't want to hurt anybody when I say this, and I don't want to be overly critical, but it may be. So even though I have very little mercy and grace, I'm asking for some of it from you. <laughs> a week or so ago, I guess it was, uh, the SALT team had a, bank, uh, a dinner here, and Junius Lewis, Pastor Lewis, came down uh, from Morgantown and spoke to us. And he asked a question I think we really need to, to look hard at. If this church went away today, would the community notice would there be a hole left? Now, it's going to be really easy to say, look, this church is important. I love this church. It feeds me. Um, and we do some good stuff in the community. Yeah, I'm not discounting that again. And, and Dave did talk about some of the stuff that we do outside of this particular building. But I can't help but wonder, maybe I'm being a little overly critical, but if we went away... Do you think a couple months down the road, somebody like at Shepherd's Corner would go, you know what? There was a church that would give us some stuff sometimes or maybe come here and help out. Or some other organization say, you know, there is some donations that, that, that we're not getting anymore that we used to get. What church was that again? Because it's not just us individually that have work to do. This church has a job to do. Every church has a job it's supposed to do. And the reason why I'm talking about this today and why I switched is because of the emphasis of Todd and the other elders over the last month or so talking about service. And understandably so, a lot of that talk has been about how to start stepping in and serving this church and stuff that needs to be done around here. But it can't stop there. We need to open our eyes to the needs that are out there. At that same dinner, Brian Mills uh, told a story about one of the earlier times that he went to Haiti on a mission trip. And when they were on the bus ride, just getting there, traveling to where the mission was going to take place, there was a man on that bus staring out the window. Brian went up to him and said, what are you looking at? What do you see? And the man said, Opportunity. Now, there's no windows in this sanctuary, 
but there's some doors. We need to start looking outside. We need to serve in here. I don't want to discount anything the elders have said. Absolutely, we need a robust uh, congregation that comes and works within this church, but it can't stop there. We got to open those doors, we got to open the windows, and we got to start looking. Because there are opportunities out there. There's a lot of them. And I think about what Todd preached about two weeks ago when he started uh, the first couple uh, people from the, the cloud of witnesses in Hebrews 11, and he talked about Noah. And remember, all these people were introduced by, by faith, by faith, by faith Noah, by faith Noah. What? Even when the warning could not be seen, he was obedient to God. Well, there's stuff out there that we should see. If you just go around the community, there's, there's stuff that needs to be done. And so I'm coming to you today, and I'm going to offer a challenge. Because I know of some of this work that needs to be done. I've been fortunate, blessed enough to be a part of it. Have you ever heard the term backpackers here in this area? I hate that term. Because it minimizes human life. But there are a lot of people in our community, especially over in Clarksburg where all the services are, that are not doing real well. And there's some wonderful organizations. The Clarksburg Mission is closest to my heart because I've been a part of that for a long time. But other organizations like the Resiliency Collaborative coming out of the United Way, the West Virginia Coalition to, for, for the Homeless, the, the, the Housing Authority, and I'm sure there's many others, they're doing a great work. And there's a lot of good things happening. And I'm going to talk to you specifically about the mission. The mission has transformed its program to where it's coming in because a lot of this population is either dealing with mental health, substance abuse, or both. And so they bring them into the mission and they work with them and they put them through this program to where they can be rehabilitated. And it's with a focus on Jesus Christ. So it's not just, hey, get rid of the drugs. No, get rid of the drugs and replace it with the only one who can save. And these people have an opportunity to go through an amazing time of spiritual growth and connection where they can really feel loved by other people. And then a lot of them, they move on to the sober living homes where now they go out and they start working and they come together in that community and they learn how to work together in this home uh, for maybe up to a year before they go out on their own. But then what happens? They're on their own. The mission doesn't have the people to continue that work. And that's not a criticism of the mission. They've got a job to do right there inside. And every single person they have, their hours and many, many hours are dedicated to the service to these people. But then they go out and they find an apartment. They find a place to live. And churches aren't coming to them. Do you know who does go to where they live? Drug dealers, addicts, anybody else that wants to pull them back in to the type of life that they had before. Why do we allow the negative influencers to go out there and do that and we don't? Why do we wait for them to come here? Todd talked a couple weeks ago again about, or I think it was back on December 31st, how he had this statement, I, I want to be known as a disciple of Christ who goes out and makes disciples of Christ. Well, we're really limited in that if we just wait for them to come through our doors. There's a few that we can do that with. And there's others who come in who are already disciples and we can help mentor them and grow them. But do you really want to make disciples of Christ? We got to go out there and find the ones who aren't disciples, who are lost, who are struggling. 
So what the mission is looking for, and I would love to see this church be the, the, the test bed for this, is for churches to come alongside them. Come in, get to know the people. And I'm sorry, I'm going to leave the picture, picture for a second, but come out to people, get to know them, shake their hand, have a meal with them. Ask them their name. What are they interested in? Come closer. If we stay up there and away, they're never going to get to know us. They're not going to care who we are. And anything that we have to say is meaningless. We need people who are going to come in there while they're still at the mission and say, hey, Randy, you know, I don't know you real well, but I'd love to love you. And I'd love to help you. And how can I do that? And you foster these relationships while they're there. And we won't be able to connect with every single one of them. And ideally, eventually, all the churches in this community will come and be a part of that. And the people that you make connection with, you maintain that relationship. And then when they move out into the real world, you can come alongside them. Help them figure out how to cook a meal. My wife will tell you, if I had to go live on my own, I would starve. Well, actually, I would just live off cereal and ice cream. I think I could do it. I'm pretty sure I can. I've tried for short periods of time. Help them put a budget together. How to clean the home. How to take care of a vehicle. There's all kinds of stuff that we take for granted that they don't know how to do or it's been so long that they've forgotten. And even more important, somebody that's going to come there and befriend them and be the one that comes into their home to make sure that home stays safe so that other druggies don't come in and take over that, help, that house because that happens. I'm trying to get clean, but these other people know I have a place and they just invade it and they take it over. And this is something we can't do on our own. This isn't a one-to-one -one thing. That's too hard of a task. I did that once with somebody from the mission and I wasn't real good at it. We need to do this as a group. And I don't know exactly how this will manifest itself, but we have the opportunity with the small groups, with the connect groups we already have. Look, there's already a body of believers right there. If just one, one connect group will step up and say, yeah, I'm interested in doing this. There's this natural bonded group that could come in alongside somebody. Now, I talked about earlier that God will bless you and God will bless them through this. But do you think this is easy? Let's not romanticize this, all right? I, I don't want to give you a false impression. This can, be, this can be difficult. You're dealing with people that don't live the same kind of life you live. Honestly, especially early on, they kind of stink, right? Language that maybe you're not used to hearing, especially inside these four walls. Ways of life that you have no idea about. That's okay. Get out of the comfort zone. See what life is like for other people and learn how to connect. So please, if you're interested in this, let me know. Talk to Brian. Let him know. We're going to start working this. Like I said, I don't know how it's going to look, but I've been talking to Desi Underwood. She's the new executive director over there, and she was there for a long time before that. I've known her for a lot of years, and she's excited about this. And we're going to find ways to bring you in and get to know the people there, provide you a little bit of training so you understand how these people may try to take advantage of you. So you're not enabling the problem, but actually helping them through that problem. Just like the spirit enables you and God will give you the power. We're going to set this up so you're enabled to be able to do this work well. But if you want to go out and do the hard work of ministry, let me know.
It's an important work and God's called us to it. All right, let me back off a little bit. So we talk about being unworthy. Am I unworthy? Yeah, I sure am. I am unworthy. And the thing is, I can say that with confidence. Because I know it's true. And once I accept that, and accept the truth of what Scripture has told me, there can be joy in that. Because I know God's going to pull me through. But while I say it with confidence, what I can't say it with is pride. I can't rejoice in that. I can't be happy that I'm, that I'm not worthy. As Christians, we need to be sanctified, and we need to be constantly growing more and more Christ-like. But the other side of that, the flip side of that, the big danger is when we become prideful because we have come to know Jesus Christ. And there are a lot of Christians like that, right? Look at me. Right? Why are you doing that? You're going to hell. What are you doing? You're going to hell. Not me. We say we're saved by faith, but yet we tell other people they're going to hell by their works. How does that make sense? And I bring this up because if we're going to go do that kind of work, that attitude's got to go away. All right? doesn't matter what their actions are. They can be saved by faith just the same as we were. Their sin is no different than our sin. Their sin may be found upon more by society, but it's not looked different upon by God. All right? So that kind of pride needs to go away. But all of this discussion, am I worthy to be saved? Am I worthy to serve God? You know what? Those are the wrong questions to begin with, to tell you the truth. So I've spent the last half hour talking about something that's the wrong thing to talk about. Because let's go back to verse 15 in, in, in chapter 3 of, of Matthew. When John said, you know, essentially says, I'm not worthy, I can't do this. What does Jesus say? Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. Do you notice what he didn't say? He didn't say, oh, it's okay, John. It's okay. You're good enough. You're worthy. Because where is the focus not supposed to be? It's not on us. And when we ask those questions, am I worthy? It's about us. What's the real question? Is he worthy? Amen. Amen. He is absolutely worthy. He is worthy of our love. He is worthy of our trust. He's worthy of our lives. He's worthy of our obedience. And he's worthy of our service that he will empower us to do. He is worthy. And only God is worthy. What was John's, what did it say about John after that? I find the words, at least in this translation, that'd be interesting. John consented. <laughs> you expect something a little bit more enthusiastic. All right, God, you want me to do that? Let's go. Okay. No, he consented. But at least he consented, right? Will you consent? Jesus is telling you right now, it is proper for us to do this. Whatever it is he's called you to do. Whatever gift he's called you to use, it is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Don't be afraid. 
help you through it. Step up. Do the work. Why? Because he is worthy. Psalm 145.3. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time to come together. Thank you uh, for allowing us to open your word, to hear the truth of your word. Father, I just pray that you will convict us, that there is a work for us to do. And this isn't a work where we're trying to prove ourselves worthy of your salvation. We know that it's only by your free gift of love and grace through Jesus Christ that we can be saved. But we ask for the strength, the power, and the knowledge to do this work so that you will be glorified in all of this. So that we are being obedient to you. Help us to glorify you, Father. For you deserve all praise and honor. In Jesus' name, amen.